Well, good morning, Eric. I'm so excited that you could come and and be a part of the Healing Arts Collective podcast or whatever we decide to officially name this. Um, I have known you for I don't know how many years. It's been a while. It's been a couple of years. <laughs> At least two. Yeah. <laughs> Before the children. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, and so now we're doing a real project together, like some grown-up people. I know, I know. It's, <laughs> it's almost like been like a a plan or like an idea, but we really haven't, you know, done anything other than um, just kind of talk about it and figure out what we want this project to be. But before we talk about the project, uh-huh. I just want to thank you for kind of letting me be involved on your first interview of this podcast. Yeah, that's And I cool. think that... This is really cool. I think it's a matter of you've been wanting to kind of spread your message, you know, the message of healing, the message of love. And I think that this is a great format for you. Thank you. And I, I think, you know, people tell me stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's not just what I know, but it's what they have to share. And and there's a lot that people know that they can share that would help each other. Yeah. So I think it's like that. So thank you so much. And can I just say that people that share stuff with you, they always have to expect to get an honest answer. Oh, yeah. Am I right? <laughs> That's kind of sad, but true. <laughs> yeah. Honesty is the best. I mean, hey, you just soon get it out there. Yeah, don't ask me what I think unless you really want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. I, uh, I'm guessing you brought me on this show to kind of talk about the uh, documentary that you want to work on. Yes. And if there's a possibility, tell me what your vision is right now. We've kind of talked about it, but I'd love to hear you say it again. Well, I I think what I'm hoping, um, you know, kind of you you start doing what you have to do because life deals you these things you have to deal with. And then at some point when you've dealt enough, you start helping other people. and, And you realize there's a lot of richness in the neighborhood you know like in your own backyard kind of thing and and so for me healing well not just for me just it's true healing doesn't happen in a vacuum it happens in a community Mm -hmm. or a culture well the culture is not like it was even when i was little so it's important we create community and like you are a member of my community Mm -hmm. and they have a lot of people in the community and so the gatherings I had were about creating community and letting people get together and inviting somebody from here, well, some people that were passing through, but mostly for us to own the richness of what we have in Acadiana. Mm-hmm. Like we have some really powerful people that do a lot of powerful things. And um, Isn't it amazing? And this is my observation. I'm from Crowley. Uh, lived in Eunice for a while, lived in Mermental, live in Lafayette now. And um, my experience and observation is that within this community, it's so concentrated with artistic, loving, caring people. You know, this community is absolutely a, uh, a melting pot of individuals that are from small towns, you know, that decide to go to bigger cities. Some decide to stay in these small towns, but just about every town within this Acadiana. And 
we're talking about Acadiana. We're talking about the, right. you know, like local. That's it. And uh, it's just amazing to kind of be a part of this community. Some of these people are just outstanding and it's obscure about what they're great and passionate about. Nobody really knows about it. Exactly. But the thing is, it's kind of cool because they're just there to serve and they serve. That's it. You know, it, it's, Where do they just, fit it's in? like really simple and and maybe they never fit in it. Maybe they don't feel like they fit in and maybe they never will fit in, but they have a service to render. Mm-hmm. And that even, even people, even people that become famous don't necessarily fit in or feel like they fit in. Or don't feel famous, but oh, yeah. know everybody that they drive down the street, you know, exactly. see each other at the grocery store and. And so it's, and, and I think it, it takes a level of honesty to live and be a part of a community too, because you know everything about everybody. <laughs> well, you expose everything you want them to know about, you know what I mean? Exactly. I'll tell you this, I, uh, I have great friends and, um, we support each other one way or another. Uh, you know, I have kids now, you know, and, uh, I have different obligations than I used to whenever I was younger and you know ripping and rambling (laughs) but you know the fact is i can see these people after you know a year of not seeing each other and boy it's a matter of just picking back up because we have that same connection exactly like yesterday i talked to margot who helped to plan your wedding margot lachelet and she loves you she's amazing well, why shouldn't she love? She loves you. Y'all are a beautiful couple. Blah, at Vermilionville. At Vermilionville. Yeah. You know, it was just a community thing. And she doesn't know that I know you, but I told her you were going to be here. And she was just all excited. So she's a member of this community. That's a natural thing. Yeah. And we'll be, no matter how often we see each other. Yeah. And Becco, she was at my wedding, by the way. If anyone uh, is wondering <laughs> if we don't know each other, if we don't go far back, her and Drewski. Yeah. Or Drew was there. It's a thing. So I also believe that for whatever reason, um, I'm kind of out there. Like I have done public work and have worked in nonprofits. And after my diagnosis, I, I, I did volunteer work in a lot of areas. So I, I didn't look for that, you know, I just kind of walked into that. And so as my friends joined me, then they kind of, they come out of the closet, so to speak. You know, they they feel that it's safe to share because it never hurt me to share. Sure. Uh, and I didn't necessarily share on on purpose, but it just it's just how it. So I'm um, I'm glad that that it, you could be here, and and the, the whole documentary I think is going to open doors for us to realize the richness of what we have here. Right, and. Becca, I got to say is that you've identified that richness like you personally have gone out of your way. I don't know if it was spontaneous or just because, you know, so many people, but you have literally pulled out a uh, a piece of content which is special to Louisiana, you know, and, you know, you talk a lot about healing and you talk a lot about, you know, love and a matter of you know, um, just togetherness, but give, you know, kind of give me a rundown. What, what is healing? What is your, your gathering that you, that you do? Talk, tell us about that. Well, my gathering started when I rented the castle from 
Uncle Paul, yeah. my cousin Paul Begno. Like, uh, I lived in this little house in Lafayette. It was like so little, it was like a room. Okay, I have to say this. It might be inappropriate, but I have to say it. It was so little, I had to go outside the fort. Okay, because I lived alone. What can I say? And so he... <laughs> He you was, see a man would stay inside and just do it. <laughs> exactly. But do. So he, he said, uh, would you like to live in the castle? Well, I, I didn't know too much what was the castle, but it was a home he had moved in the country. And it was a big house in the country, an old wooden house he had moved from Cameron Street. And it was just beautiful. And I was so happy to have a house that I could share that I started having gatherings because I had a place to gather. You know, like I didn't... <laughs> And we gathered once a month, whenever I could, and and for ever since then, and and that was before before and, Drew graduated from high school, I think. Sure, and about you, that time. And from what I gather is that the group of people that you kind of pulled together still kind of stuck with you, right? They, it's still kind of a uh, right, but it's a come and go thing. Like sure. you don't join; it's not a club, but the door's always open, and. And the format of that is I get someone to give a presentation mm-hmm. on whatever they do or whatever they know about. And then and then we have a question and answer and we have coffee or whatever. So it's just been real simple. It's kind of like a veille. I could have called it a veille. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people come back years later and said, you know, because I went to that, oh, well, I'm doing massage therapy now. And I'm like, and it had nothing to do with me personally necessarily. It's that the setting was there, and we had a place where we could get together and and talk about things that came up to be talked about that may not be in normal conversation in other social settings. Mm-hmm. So it was it was like really simple, and uh, and then uh, uh, the the hurricane passed. I think Lily. Okay. And it took the roof off the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom's house was available, so I moved into mom's house, and I ended up buying it because mom died um, the year of Katrina. And so then I moved the gatherings there. Mm-hmm. And that's in Scott. And in Scott. And um, and it's just, it's just been there. It's just been like a steady thing. Like you can always go visit grandma. Well, I'm not exactly grandma, but the nanan of healing or just some it's just a safe Mama beg no. it's just a safe place you know like yeah. whatever safe means because the reality of all this is that we do stuff or stuff comes to us that's spiritual in nature well who are you going to go talk to about that mm-hmm. you know you can tell me anything that ever happened i'm not going to refute you Mm-hmm. If you say it happened, it happened. I don't know how you're going to deal with that. But we don't have a place. We don't have spiritual counseling that just wants to accept where you're at and honor it as a gift because that kind of stuff really scares some people. Mm-hmm. Or they make TV shows where they laugh about it. So it's, it's but, but we actually are living this. You know, so I, I started doing this after I had breast cancer in 89, and that's how it all started, just to be able to... Do you, do you think that, um, and you know, I'm almost feeling like I'm turning the tides of, uh, interviewing, but this it's okay. is, we'll is kind of what I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, I guess my question is, you know, does, does everybody get the chance or the opportunity to 
have like a spiritual connection. I have. I've had multiple incidents where I feel like I was not in control, but, you know, some things have happened to kind of keep me from, you know, hurting myself. I remember trying to light a fire that was full of gasoline and for some reason, for some reason, the lighter didn't work, you know? Yeah. It's amazing things like that. You know, I worked uh, for a safety company one time um, and we were practicing uh, hooking a, uh, a large metal hook to a, um, a pipe so that we can see what it would take to um, hook the pipe without actually climbing up there and crawling up there. And this is for a safety company, believe it or not. But it was kind of like how you can hurt yourself. Well, <laughs> we were almost within that incident somehow or another. I felt a pull on my shoulder. And um, as the guy that was in front of me threw the hook, whenever he pulled it back, this is like a pound and a half hook. You know, he threw it at 30 feet. Whenever he swung it back, I felt a pull on my shoulder and I felt like I had to move to the right. And as he, seconds after that, that hook went right where the, between my eyes were sitting. Wow. You know, and yeah. I looked around just to be like, hey, dude, thank you all for pulling me. There was nobody standing behind me. But did you tell that to anybody? No, because I didn't think, I didn't want them to think I was crazy. Exactly. You know? So, you know, like there's a whole, there's a whole, there's a whole reality of this happens that nobody asks for it, but we don't affirm each other in that because there's not a safe place to go. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and could a pastor or a priest say, well, that was your angel? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe, but or could it, was your grandpa, was your ancestor? Maybe some people in some other culture could say, but it's, it's, it's never necessarily specifically supporting what happened to you because nobody really knows mm -hmm. so i think a lot of people have a lot of spiritual experiences in that way and spiritual gifts mm -hmm. that they just don't know who to go to with them i know ul had this speaker and i don't remember his name but he spoke of three things and he spoke at the university, so this would be like in a scholarly presentation, so that this was like intercultural and um, uh, interfaith and intergeographical all over the world. There was one, if, if, if you received a visit from someone after they died, that would help you. If you had something called kushmal, which is, it's, it's just, you, you feel like you can't move, but you, you may be awake, but you may have been asleep, and that happens across boundaries, socioeconomic boundaries, and and uh, and near-death experiences. Okay, but, but people that have these things, well, today they write books and they get famous, and then some of them are scams. But the reality of the average guy has this stuff where you go with that. Mm -hmm. So I see, although I didn't plan that, that this gathering is is a safe place to go with things that your church or your neighbors you don't want to share with them because you're afraid and like we don't have to be afraid because you know i know that they're not going to burn me at the stake i know that <laughs> like yeah. we don't have to be afraid anymore right i think but we still don't necessarily have a place to go so this has provided a place and it is not necessarily I, but anyone there can support anyone else there 
in owning spiritually what happened. Not that we know, but we can have an understanding. And what's great about your uh, your shop in uh, Scott is that you've kind of like been working on this. You know, like this has been a project of yours for a while and it's slowly like become what your envision is. Can you talk about the labyrinth? You know, like I, I just want you to talk about the special things in that shop. Okay, so there's... I'm having a labyrinth installed in the backyard. Um, the architect who's working with me on that has agreed to do a podcast, so I have another podna. Hey, podna cast. <laughs> it's a podna cast. And uh, it, I, I have a backyard now, okay? Well, I'm finished having mother cheering, you know? It's big enough for the grand cheering to visit, but I, I don't... I don't have a need for this big yard, so I'm gonna put a labyrinth in it. I think, I don't know how many years ago, uh, Winnie Dolphin, Bakke, and Aimé Dominique um, created something called the uh, Gabriel Angels, and they have a canvas labyrinth that we brought to St. Gabriel Prison. So we went visit the prison for years, I don't know how many, mm-hmm. and 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 it's a spiritual walk. It's a kinetic prayer, and so it's really simple. You when you walk in, you're trying to release what you don't need, whatever it is, all your trakas, you know. And then when you're in the very center, you're having a communion, you and your higher self, your God, your higher power, whatever you call God. And then when you come back, you join community better than if you had never done that. And it's just a personal thing. But in the experience of walking with other people, you can go faster than some, you can go slower than some, and it's really like a mirror of life. Like, we're all in this together. And sometimes we can go fast, and sometimes we have to go slow, and and it, 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 it it's not about comparing. It's, it's, it's just, it brings it to you in a in a like a living example of mm. how things are and it removes all judgment and so i'm gonna have a labyrinth in the backyard i don't know how soon so i just want to thank all my friends who contributed to the collection of over a thousand wine bottles <laughs> <laughs> and you know and like that just like everything else you kind of like have to you know build your little piles like you know fight your little battles and all of a sudden you know, things really start to take place, you know, things really start to happen with all these little, with the plans and all the observations and we want to do this and start, people start getting involved and that labyrinth, I I promise is going to happen. It's exciting. And it's like, well, but the thing is, it's not happening because I think it's a good idea. And then it's, it's, I know, Mm -hmm. I know what it did to the women in prison. I know what it does for us. We did a labyrinth walk last week. Mm -hmm a labyrinth walk for peace. So they they have a the the labyrinth design I'm going to use is the one that's on the floor of the Temple of Goodwill in Brasilia where John of God uses this the the labyrinth that we brought to the prison and the labyrinth that is behind hospice and there's one at Lourdes and there's one on Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Jefferson Boulevard before the underpass on the Burbridge side. Those are all done in in 
like the one on the floor of Chart Cathedral in France. And, you know, so we did the service. It was, it was cool. It, I, I think that the, 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 the man who was in charge of pastoral care at the prison was leery of us at first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might be scared of a bunch of women too, but you know, even more scared of us than the ones in prison. Right. Okay. But by the time he saw what it did and we went back for a reunion walk, he was way glad to see us and he helped us unload our equipment. And, and you could tell that he got a concept. It's not about convincing people. Mm-hmm. It's about you share what you have, and then if they understand it and get the concept, then they can participate. So our very first labyrinth walk over there, Lauren Arches was was with us at prison, and she did a lot of work and and did labyrinths. In uh, she kind of like re revived and did the whole labyrinth movement. Mm-hmm. She's from Grace Cathedral in in. Uh, California in the other I don't know if it's LA or whatever but in California and then Monsignor Legault from Short Cathedral they were with us at St. Gabriel Prison that we didn't yeah. realize it and it didn't matter that we realized it but they happened to be I think maybe locally in New Orleans for some mm-hmm labyrinth workshop so so this what we're connecting with is in our community but it, it it's like the whole ripple it's a bigger community it is a bigger i'm glad that you said that i wanted to ask you what you know i, I know you come from a, a a catholic background very and you know it's your healing you look past just the catholicism i, I see you you know you you've talked about monks you've talked about Native Americans, you've talked about a lot of spiritual thing, and that might, I wonder if that's what scares um, people, you know, the fact that there's, there's so many things that if you're open-minded, you could find a, uh, a, a spiritual path one way or another. Yeah, well, what makes us scared to tell people what happened with us? elaborate on that i can't wait to well, hear your answer well no it's like when when you when you know someone pulled you away but then you didn't tell anybody we all have this fear you know because if we don't want to talk about what doesn't happen in a box because we know you're going to understand if i tell you what happened happened in a box but if it don't happen in a box then you're going to be scared of me mm-hmm. you know i think it's not only we have fear of something that we're not familiar with but, but we also have a fear of spiritual things because a lot of the leaders in every church may or may not have had true spiritual experiences. So if you don't have that, then, then how can you be with someone? And how can you understand? So we look to the lives of the saints for that, like Teresa mm. Avila, she had spiritual experiences and, and lots of saints would levitate. But... But that's not necessarily what they tell us about in church. So I had a copy of uh, Butler's Lives of the Saints. I think I read through it four times because every day is the life of a saint. And when you realize their personal experiences and it had nothing to do with the everyday thing that we see, it was this supernatural thing like this, you got moved out of the way. St. Benedict, St. Ben's at St. Joseph's there, you know, he, it, it was supernatural things. 
we don't have a place to talk about the supernatural, not in Western religion. So, um, I also was, I got a degree in anthropology. And one time my professor asked the whole class, you know, because can you be a Catholic and be an anthropologist? You know, so in my mind I'm answering, well, how can I not be a Catholic, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you teach me, you know, one day I'm going to be an anthropologist. I'll just, it it was a ridiculous question, but I understood what he meant Mm -hmm. because, because we think that I have to be limited by being a Catholic. I have to do certain things and I can't do other things. And, and then if, if you're out of those bounds, you're either not a good Catholic or you're not good at all. But as I continue to, to understand what he was saying, it's like if I can stand on Catholicism as my foundation, like I stand on my culture as my foundation, like I stand on my family as my foundation. But those things don't limit me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a son, and you aren't my son, but you're kind of like a, another son, <laughs> you know? So I can I be... Eat all the food in your refrigerator? <laughs> whatever. I mean, I can, I can have you in my community as a son-like person, so I don't have to not love anybody except if you're in my family. Sure. Okay, so I don't have to not love you if you not catholic you know so uh my son and i went to new orleans one time this is how i got into the monks i have some tibetan buddhist monks that that come home once a year for nine years and so i brought drew to play tipitinas because he had never played there before and uh I think the gourds were going to play before or after. And anyway, they told me to bring my robot and my triangle because maybe I could sit in because I like to play. So we were outside of Tipitina's and this guy comes to talk to us because he saw my robot and my triangle. So he knew we were from here. And he was from St. Martinville. So he had a beard and he was kind of not looking like he belonged in a box. So I'm feeling comfortable. And he told me he taught social work at Tulane. Then he looks at me like that and he goes, what do you do? Well, you know, if it had a suit and a tie, I would have said, uh, I do home health. But he didn't have a suit and a tie, so I said, oh, well, I do healing work. And so he goes, oh, well, we have a Rinpoche, and he would like to go further than New Orleans. You think you could get a place for him? So I said, yeah. So his name is Karma. Karma Rinpoche, he has another name, but he always told me to call him Karma, so I did. I don't know anything about how to treat a Buddhist Rinpoche. Mm -hmm. I don't have to. I just invited him in my house. He became became another member of the family. He came for two years, and then another monk has come. And so I, I choose to, I just said yes, and then I'm not... I often wonder, I mean, I live across the street from the Catholic Church. I wonder, what the hell am I doing with the Buddhist monk in my house once a year? Inviting their Buddhist followers. And it's all good. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't think it's wrong. It's not wrong. You know, I mean, if if anything else, you know, some people just, uh, there's some, you know, and I'm a happy man. You know, I have a a wonderful family. uh, You know, I have a great job that uh, I'll 
you know, employ myself, you know, so I really get to work in my pajamas if I want to That's and nice. cut the grass at lunch instead of, you know, mm-hmm. fighting the hustle and bustle. But, you know, some people um, and they kind of they, they need a, uh, a, a path drawn for them, you know, and mm-hmm. that path is kind of out of the darkness, you know, as in kind of like, let's let's uh, help me live a fulfilled happy life you know that's that's what i would want to do if i was depressed or upset or sad or and couldn't find that answer i would want to find that answer right and you know i i have a catholic background in fact uh i'm from i spent a lot of time at the church in mermental with father blessing whenever oh he my was God. did I, he no i think he was first getting started this was but you know between uh 81 to uh, you know like the uh end of the 80s I the guess. The labyrinth like, is at Father Blessing's church. I love that guy. They have man. it. He was He's wonderful. He's ecumenical. He's not afraid to see the mysticism mm-hmm. in Catholicism. It, it was never ever meant to be in a box. You know and, and I grew up in the 60s like I was born in 52 and, and it was all about uh, accepting God in every church. So I, I never had to choose between my church. I never felt like I turned my back on my church. I still attend, mm. you know, I still, I still participate. But some of what they see might scare them. And I know that if ever they get beyond their fear, they could embrace it. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, it's okay with me. I was afraid more than once sure. about a lot of stuff. So it was like, but in this world of, you know, who who is more like about peace than the Tibetans? I know, right? The Tibetan My Buddhists. Gosh, yeah. did, do they want guns? Did they ever have guns? Nope. No. They don't even have a place to live anymore. And they're still coming here to teach us about peace. Like, well, they're doing something right. And, and they're doing what my faith teaches but mm-hmm. they're living it so i can love that and support that and i'm not denying anybody and so when they come they can go to local schools they can go to local churches anyone who would want to invite someone from 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 nepal or the country of mustang the kingdom of mustang or northern india dormsala um, Karma came this year just for a short visit and he was part of a panel discussion on hospice. So it was, it was, um, what an interesting insight, you, you know, know, especially here in Acadiana, you know, and the fact is every, at, at some people's, you know, worst moments, they're, they're looking to, you know, appreciate anything, you know, and the whole fact is, I don't know any Tibetan monks, but I bet you he has some pretty optimistic, you know, thoughts and processes that I would easily jump into and and appreciate, you know, I'll never give up my Catholic background and everything, but I'm open-minded enough to know what a good message is. I mean, anybody can learn from listening to the Pope. Yeah. He always has wonderful things to say. And, 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 and the people that studied all of their lives, Tibetan Buddhism or whatever kind of Buddhism, because they have all different kinds. Yeah, so it's about a it's about a come together. It's not 
and, and you know what, what's bizarre when you, when you look at healing here, mm-hmm. okay, we have like Cajuns who heal, okay, we Trey have traitors, and 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 under the umbrella of traitors, we have African American traitors, and we have Native American traitors, and we have European American traitors, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we do, and. For whatever reason, the common language was French. And ever since before I was born, if you needed and you went to the traiteur or the traiteur went to you, it was done with respect and dignity and out of service. And it never mattered if you were in my culture or not in my culture. So if today we all pretended we were traiteurs, we could have world peace. Wouldn't that be nice? It's, you know, it's easy like that. <laughs> it's wow! Hello, everyone, so jump on in, board. You include a Buddhist because he can come here now. In the olden days, it was too far to walk mm-hmm. and fly and swim. So, it's it's the same thing. We have a microcosm of that here. And you know what? In is, our history, you, you know what? A I lot think. people don't realize that uh, you can recover from an illness by stuff other than uh, medicine. Other than, you know, like prescribed medicine. And that is so overlooked. My wife is heavily into essential oils. Right. And I have cured muscle aches on myself with her mixtures. Of course, she's the, uh, the mixologist. But uh, <laughs> I've, here, I've, I've cured poison ivy, uh, headaches, muscle aches, sore throats, um, you know, stomach being upset all of these things and i did not go to the grocery store or go to the doctor to get a prescription right and there's a there's just no uh real like advertisement for stuff like that on the you know you get the wrong advertisement and uh some very important stuff just falls by the wayside because it's not mentioned anymore exactly and you know that's not necessarily um a plot against us. It, 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 some of that happened like naturally. Think about when sterilization became a big thing. Mm. So we thought, you know, nothing's going to happen wrong. We're going to have sterilized hospitals. Today, you don't even go in a hospital for fear of the staph infection. You know what I'm saying? Man, that but that was a big answer. And it was, but then not really. Okay. And then. Then we had a lot of remedies and healings and and methods, but then we got smart. We got real educated. Okay, so we wanted to go to the doctors because look, they had some miracle drugs mm-hmm. and penicillin that was going to take care of everything. And so we 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 uprooted our faith and put it in something that's only temporary instead of keeping the roots in what worked and adding something on. Mm-hmm. We, in a way, turned our backs on this. And now we realize that if you go to the hospital and you can have 2.5 days to stay there after your procedure, but you run fever for 2.5 days, you shouldn't be discharged. So there's, there's not even a way to even keep you there if you have a need sometimes because insurance is dictating. Isn't that the truth? People want to get out because they don't want to pay that extra day. So, I mean. so you know, we have to look at, at what, what we choose to have f- and put faith in. And sometimes, you know, 
Rest and sleep is healing. Well, whoever said rest, you'll get over this. Oh, I can't rest. I got. So we have pushed ourselves with medicine. You know, I, I had cancer more than once, and I, I love my doctors. You know, I'll go back tomorrow. They're my friends. I've actually done healing work on my physicians. I, I shared with them what was going on. I've had things removed by healers, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's not there anymore. And so it's, I don't hide this. We don't have to. But, but what we have to do is kind of like in the whole religion thing. We have to be ecumenical about. If we just tolerate you, instead of hide you or be afraid of you, then if ever I need, I, I can go to you because I need, because at least I tolerated you. So tolerance would go a long ways. And we can't even talk about peace, but let's just, tolerance could be a word towards peace. You know, it, it, if you have stitches, I hope you go to the ER, huh? I mean. Yeah. I mean. Definitely. So, so it's, it's not about choose one or the other. I, I, I take medicine and it's like, some I'm, some ailments definitely require medication. Exactly. But some of them don't need so much medication. It's like my uncle said. If you have a cold and you go to the doctor, you're going to be well in two weeks. If you have a cold and you don't go to the doctor, you're going to be fine in about 14 days. <laughs> <laughs> but he knew that because his dad was a traiteur. And, and when we lived closer to the earth, and we had poultices, and and we we understood what the sun and the moon did, and and we understood that it, it affected the crops, but it also affected us and the animals. And animals were important. They treated their animals and people with this whole healing thing. Mm-hmm. So he he knew a lot, and my uncle saw a lot of that. But in in my generation, a lot of that got lost. Yeah. And then we have this generation now, and um, you know, I I tell you this, um, it's it's not easy to have a good outlook on life when the TV's on. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Well, I, I met a friend recently at the cable place, and I just I got rid of my TV. I just and, I got rid of my TV. And and this no is com- this is coming from a guy that's Makes, in the media business. <laughs> exactly. You know. And I'm doing a podcast, hello. <laughs> <laughs> but but I guess I'm talking about, you know, if um, here in Louisiana, here, all over Louisiana, not just central Louisiana, central Louisiana, you know, south Louisiana is very special if you ask me. But, you know, we have the product and the opportunity to really create our own messages, our own television shows, and we don't have our own news media, you know, like we do a great job of covering our own news, you know, I, and, um, I think if anything else, it's a matter of creating a, uh, a movement of, you know, if we're going to stay on television, it would really be a good idea for us to create our own content because I would say our content would be more motivational, more uh, inspiring, educational. Okay, think of your mama and and the ladies you know. If we had the real housewives of Scott. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, it would definitely be drama within uh, the Cajun community. But it would not be for all the superfluous things over which those people have drama. I don't know, I don't watch those shows, but I mean really. We would have different problems. They'd be real problems. Yeah. 
It would, and the funny thing is, it wouldn't be in this million dollar kitchen. It'd probably be in the camp, in the camp, you know, exactly. or in the car going to the grocery store. I mean, and that's you know, I don't know. It's just a, it's funny. It would be awesome. Yeah. But I, I that's all I'm. Uh, my whole thing is, you know, if uh, I I had to step away from a lot of um, media, you know, like I I watched all the news. I'm a journalist by trade, mm-hmm. you know, and so I. I couldn't walk away from it whenever I quit the news business so I kept myself informed and um, you know there's certain parts whenever you know within the year that you start feeling man I wish that um, it wouldn't be so negative you know one thing after another then they go to commercials and the commercials are negative and my gosh how can you continue a happy life whenever all these messages are just like you know one after another uh just negative, rude, and the worst, you know? And I'm not, you know, howdy-doody, like the the happiest guy in the world, you know? I'm very mm-hmm. happy. I'm very content. But it's because I choose my own path. Exactly. You know, I've chosen my own path. And I turn that TV off and I go work in my yard. Well, I think that I have to invite you to come back because we were going to talk about the... Uh, we're going to talk the about, documentary. about the documentary. Oh, we didn't and, talk about that yet. And and you 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 interviewed me instead, and that's really I can't help that. I that's fine. It. And then it, it it lets us know more of who who and what we have to to add. So when we were talking about a documentary, I'm like, it's going to be kind of like a in your own backyard. And and now we already talked about the Tibetan Buddhist monks, so then maybe they need to be included. So who knows? Well, I think that <laughs> I think that your story, this documentary that you've decided to put together is going to cover all of that because there's no one uh, branch within the tree of healing, you know, like you've literally experienced a lot of different um, alternatives. And uh, I really hope that you don't keep this to yourself. I mean, it's really a matter of sharing. Yeah. And then, you know, like one of the things I realized because is if you express something in art, like in a documentary, mm. then I don't have to try to convince anybody of anything. This is this is what I have done, and this is what I want to share with you. You either get it or you don't get it. But if you have it like in a classroom, or you're trying to get it somewhere, then you have to convince them that you are safe and you should be able to talk in their hospital or in their church. And then if they're scared because you're not fitting into their box, you have issues. So I'm grateful for the medium of documentary and grateful that you said yes, because I trust you. And um, old brother Tony Daigle is going to be involved too, huh? Yes, yes. Tony? Isn't he the most like the most the guy can he wants to teach i mean i've seen him at dockside recording stuff and he'll spend time telling you what the buttons do you know and it's just like wow yeah Uh, i did a a cd with tony in 95 and uh he brought a copy to me at my cousin's house and he just came in and said hi and left and she goes is he our cousin because he just like felt like family i said well out of the box boy he's just not really but he is and so um, yeah, Tony and I are going to work on, uh, I did a CD then, and then I'm going to work on what is healing today. And I've invited some today musicians because what was healing culturally and last generation, my generation, how is that coming through in music today and art today? You know, so what is healing for you? So I've asked some local musicians to give a song to that. And the 
that and the CD I did back in 95 with Tony and Al Bayroard, those things are going to be um, like the soundtrack to whatever we come up with. Well, I can't wait. I, I have too. a good a feeling that this is going to be great. And Ray Brasser is our consultant. Oh, he's the man. I swear, <laughs> every time he talks, I feel like a child, just hands on my face, just listening, because he's such an awesome guy. I know. Hey, uh, Becca, I don't know if you noticed, but you're awesome. Uh, audio man mr matt is oh, giving you the okay less than a minute rap so he knows thank what he's you. doing he's about to get the broom <laughs> out he does thank you thank you thank y'all thank y'all for listening thank you becca for putting this together thank you for listening to the Cado podcast i'm your host becca begno matt roberts produced the show thanks to AOC Community Media for the use of their facilities. For information about AOC, you can visit aocinc.org. Thank you very much. Merci beaucoup.